Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico. Got a great show for you tonight. Uh, coming up here in just a few moments, I'm going to have a great uh, young junior golfer from the Texas area, Alexa Vela. She's going to be coming on here with her mother, Doris, in here in just a few minutes. And then a little bit later on in the broadcast, I'm going to be uh, speaking with my good friend, uh, PJ, uh, teacher professional and golf coach, Mr. Tom Patry, will be joining me uh, in the second hour of the program. Uh, thank you for tuning in uh, tonight, uh, another Thursday evening, February 11th. Hard to believe that we're already uh, almost halfway through the second month of 2016. It just seems uh, that the dates and the months are going by awfully quick. Uh, but thanks for tuning in tonight. Just to remind everybody, of course, we are live from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, quickest way to, to find us is to go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key type Golf Talk Live, and that will bring you to the main page. And all, obviously, always during the live broadcast, uh, the current show will always be at the top. Uh, but for some reason, if you're not able to tune in live during the broadcast, that's not a problem. All of the shows are auto-recorded, so just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live, and then just scroll down to the on-demand section and then you can uh, listen to any of the uh, previously aired shows that you may have missed uh, whenever it's convenient for you. But thank you for those of you that are tuning in live tonight. Um, always uh, encourage people to call in to the program during the live broadcast on Thursday nights. Uh, always love to hear your voice, so you're welcome to call in. If you have questions for the guests or comments about the show, we'd certainly love to hear them. Uh, you can do so by calling area code 646-716-4667. Again, that's 646 Four six six seven, and always uh, you can reach me by email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments about the show as well. And don't forget, those of you in the golf industry, you don't necessarily have to be a teach professional. Uh, you can be a player. You can be somebody in the golf industry. Uh, uh, products, uh, maybe you've got a great product that you'd like to share on the on the show. Uh, reach out to me as well at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. Want to before I forget, I want to wish a happy birthday. Uh, to my, my partner in crime on the Women of Golf show, Cindy Miller, uh, LPGA professional Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. It is her birthday today, so if you uh, know of her or friends with her on Facebook or other social media, make sure if you haven't already done so, visit her page and uh, wish her a happy birthday. Today is her birthday. So happy birthday and congratulations, uh, Cindy, on um, uh, having a wonderful day. And certainly I'm hoping that uh, Alan is treating you well 
uh, and spoiling you rotten on your, your special day today. So happy birthday, Cindy, and look forward to uh, having you on the show again on Tuesday morning, the Women of Golf Show, and that's from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the blogtalkradio.com network. Um, also on Facebook, as I mentioned, social media updates, Golf Talk Live blog is the page. Go to facebook.com forward slash Golf Talk Live blog, and that will take you to uh, the update page. And on there, I update all of the shows, including tonight's show. And you can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO, and CEO is in capital letters. And for those of you that recently uh, started following me on there, thank you very much. Always uh, enjoy uh, getting some new connections. And I update the show, of course, through uh, not just Facebook, but social media, uh, Twitter, and also on LinkedIn.com uh, as well. So for those of you that are on LinkedIn, which is more of a business social network, uh, thank you for all of your recent connections, and thank you for following the show as well. Uh, as I mentioned, I've got a great show for you tonight. Um, Alexa Vela is going to be coming on here in just a moment with her mother, Doris. Uh, she's a young junior golfer uh, from the Texas area. She was introduced to the game uh, at the ripe young age of four, and she started playing competitive golf when she was six uh, with the Southern Texas PGA and the first tee. Uh, she's now 12 years old and is also in the GT Advanced class, uh, all A's honor roll. Uh, she's part of the Duke University Talent Identification Program for advanced students, so obviously a very well-rounded young lady. Uh, she's also been recognized in uh, many of the local newspapers several times and featured at the PGA Junior Golf League uh, Golf Channel with Michelle Wee, Rory McIlroy, and, of course, Ricky Fowlers. I'm sure you all know those uh, great uh, PGA and LPGA players quite well. She's also been in many tournaments and owns a collection of, uh, believe it or not, 107 medals and trophies, including a congratulatory letter from Governor Greg Abbott. So I see that they're ready. So let me bring on uh, Alexa and Doris uh, Vela. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hello, Mr. Ted. How are you doing, Alexa? Good, thank you. That's good. And I, I understand your mother's there as well? Yes, sir. Yeah, this is oh. Doris. Uh, hello, Ted. How are you? Thank you for uh, having I'm, us today. Uh, it's my honor. And... Uh, I hope I got everything right. Let me just apologize first off because I know you brought this to my attention the other day. Um, I actually, the last name I misspelt when I was posting it, I spelt it V-E-R-A and it's actually V-E-L-A. So I apologize to both you and Alexa. Uh, my fingers sometimes get typing so fast and I forgot to go back and, and check it. So thank you for, for bringing that to my attention the other day. Um, oh, no, that's, let, that's not a problem. Let, well, thank you, and, and it's good to talk to you again, Doris, as well. What I'm going to do is, as I'm going to do this, uh, I think the best way to start this off is, is, Alexa, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit first, and then, uh, Doris, I want you to jump in as well. I have some, some questions that I'd like to ask you as well uh, with respect to, to Alexa and, and some of the things that you're doing to, to help foster her career. So, um, uh, Alexa, you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Let me just ask you, um, as I mentioned in the opening remarks, that uh, you obviously started playing golf at a very young age, uh, at the age of four. What made you decide? How did you sort of get into golf? What made you decide to start playing golf? Well, my mom signed me up with the first tee, and I had my first lesson, and I had a great time. And I was like, you know what? I just love this game, and I guess that's uh, how it all started. So you got, as they say, got kind of bitten by the golf bug, in other words. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, now let me now let me ask you, what do you like most about? I mean, obviously there's a lot of aspects, but what do you like most about playing golf? What specifically do you enjoy most about playing? You know, I love meeting new people. I love that. And also uh just the experience and uh you know, the atmosphere there is great. You know, you meet so many great people there and uh it's yeah. it's just a great sport to have. Well, and you you have an opportunity, and I'm going to mention some of them as we go along here. You've played in a lot of different tournaments, not just in Texas, but you've gone to other parts of the United States as well um, in in your pursuit of different tournaments that you've been involved with. And as I say, we'll talk about those in a minute. Um, Obviously, by playing in these different tournaments, you get to to meet a lot of other young girls such as yourself uh, playing in in, in these different tournaments. Um, If if you were to sort of look at your overall game, what what is your the best part of your game? Would it be driving? Would it be chipping and, or putting? Or what part do you think is your, your best, uh, strongest part of your game? You know, I actually like every part of my game. But uh, wow. I like uh, working on each part of my game every day, you know, to make it better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what? right now I'm just working on putting some spin in that ball, but right now I, I like every part of my game. I think I'm satisfied with every part. Well, I would say in addition to being a, a great player, you obviously have a lot of confidence in your game, and that's very good. That's important um, to play in, in tournaments. And, and um, yeah, I can, I can hear your mother in the background. She obviously understands what I'm, what I'm getting at. That's great. I think that's fantastic. Um, what do you think, though, Alexa, do you think that um, your short game is your strongest part of your game, do you think? Uh, yes. Yes, sir, because at the end of the day, that's what wins tournaments, your short game. That's and true. So, uh, yes. Now, uh, now you've, played in, you've played in a lot of uh, different tournaments. Let me just read out a few of the, the different events that you've, you've played in. And then we'll 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 get to some more questions. Now you were some of the tournaments that you played. You were uh, part of the Callaway Junior uh, World Opening at Torrey Pines Golf Course, which is of course out in California. Uh, you're part of the Pinehurst Junior World U.S. Kids Golf, uh, the Texas Mexico Junior Golf Cup in San Antonio, which is not too far from where you are. And you participated in the inaugural Girls Golf Academy and Championship in Kiwa Island, which of course is over on the East Coast. So. Of, of obviously you play a lot in in your home state of Texas, but you had an opportunity to to travel around. Is that difficult sometimes the traveling? Um, no, because I like traveling with my family. I like exploring new places. You know, that's uh, I just love it. You know, I mean, I just love golf, and if that means traveling new places, of course. I mean, I don't have a I don't really have any issue with it because I love traveling with my parents. I love playing golf. It's it's, it's just great. Now, when you travel, now obviously there's lots of beautiful areas in, in Texas that you've played in. And as I mentioned, you've been out to California and you've obviously been to the East Coast, uh, out to the Carolinas at Kiowa Island. Um, besides, obviously, uh, Texas, what other areas that you visited that you really uh, were very impressed? What, what did you like um, in, in as far as your traveling? What was uh, an interesting area that you got to visit when, at one of the tournaments? 
you know, I love going to Torrey Pines because uh, they have a PGA tournament there, and uh, it was just beautiful there. I love it. They got some, yeah, some beautiful views. Of course, Pebble Beach. Um, yeah. Uh, they just had the uh, the Pebble Beach Pro Am. Uh, they just finished up this past weekend. So, um, lots of uh, great, beautiful scenery there as well. Um, now, you've, as I mentioned, also you've received a lot of different medals and trophies, uh, as well as a letter from the governor. Um, that was obviously must have been very exciting. Tell us a little bit about the letter. I know you can't read it all out, but um, what was very interesting? How did you? received that letter, what was the circumstance? Do you remember? Um, yes. I sent him a letter because uh, he had a lot of courage and grit, which I, and perseverance, which I really look up to. And uh, he wrote me back, and it was just an amazing experience, you know, because uh, uh, a lot of gr- grit, perseverance, you know, it was, it was a great honor to to receive that letter and because uh, it's just an amazing honor to get a letter from your state governor and uh, you know it was it was just an amazing experience. Now you have um, also, in addition to the the letter, you've received a lot of uh, medals and trophies. So I'm assuming you've you've had a number of wins at some of these different events, or are these just for being involved in the event? Or a little mixture of both. Uh, yeah, uh, they're mostly wins. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I must. Uh, well, uh, now let me ask you then. In, 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 I'm going to jump forward to a question I was going to save to the end, but I think I'm going to put this one in now because it'll it'll apply. Um, obviously, at some point, I assume that you would like to uh, play on the LPGA tour. Is that correct? Yes, sir. But uh, now. First, uh, my first goal is to play college, you know, get in a good D1 college, and I, I'm i focused on that, and then hopefully along the line I can play LPGA, yes. Now, um, and that would be great. That's a fantastic route to go is to, to get into a Division I uh, college and, and play um, on a team. There was a, another young lady a little bit older than you that's uh, been on the show before, uh, Carly Goldstein, who is uh, the daughter of a very good um, golf professional of mine, and she plays uh, at LSU on the golf team. This is, I think, her third year now, um, and that's obviously the route that she's going as well. Now, let me ask you, with, with all of these medals and, and trophies that you've won so far, when you eventually do get out on the LPJ Tour, are you going to have enough room in your house to put all these additional trophies that you're going to win on the LPJ Tour along with the ones you already got, or are you going to have to get a bigger house? Let's hope, yes. You know, let's hope that I can give my, uh, you know, I want, I actually, an interesting thing about me, I want to go to college and get a degree in business finance. So hopefully when I get to the LPGA, I'll know how to manage my money correctly and give me a big enough house. Yeah. Hold on. My- <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You might, you might have to, to get quite a big house by the sounds of it. Cause that's, that's a lot of medals and trophies to win at, at such a young age. When, how old were you when you won your first uh, either medal or trophy, uh, your first win? How old were you? Uh, I think I was six. And uh, wow. I was very happy. I remember that. Yeah, I was very happy. And do you remember the tournament? Obviously, what was the tournament that you were playing in? I believe it was an SCPGA tournament. Wow. 
And now, you do you pretty much win tournaments every year? A few tournaments every year? How many tournaments do you play each year, normally? Uh, I try to play a tournament every weekend. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. I wow. play about every weekend. Now, you, uh, Alexa, now you have a younger sister uh, who is yeah. is 10. I, I 10, is that correct? She's 10 years old? Uh, yes, sir. And what is her name? Andrea. Andrea. Now I understand from some from something that I I saw in social media that she also play is uh, interested in golf. Now do you do you both sometimes play together? Yeah, I love uh, teaching my sister new things as well. You know, she's she's always rode along in the car, and one day she was like, you know what, I want to try this out, and uh. You know, I help her with uh, the sports sometimes, and you know, she loves it. I love it. It's it's amazing when now you how do long what it, you love the person right. you love. Now, how long has she been playing? Has she just started playing golf in the last couple of years, or has she been playing for a few years now too? Uh, she's been playing for uh, I think a good year or two now. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Now you've also been uh, Alexa. You've also been written in many local newspapers. Plus, you were featured on the PGA Junior Golf League uh, Golf Channel with uh, Michelle Wee, Rory McIlroy, and Ricky Fowler. Um, that was must have been exciting to meet some some very talented PGA and LPGA players. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. You were interviewed, obviously, uh, uh, through the Golf Channel a little bit as well. Tell us about that, and tell us what it was like to meet uh, some some young. Uh, stars, if you will, on the on the both of the tours. Well, you know that was also an amazing experience because uh, the PGA Junior League is a is was a great experience for me too because it's a team, and uh, I love that you know the team, and uh, it was just great, and and meeting those PGA and LPGA professionals was also a great experience because you you watch them on TV and then you meet them and it, it's just great because, uh, you know, I go to a lot of uh, LPGA, PGA tournaments like uh, the Shell Houston Open and the North Texas Shootout. I, I just love meeting them because I watch them. I kind of, like, analyze them and I learn new things and uh, I, I just love it. Now, who, who you've, you've obviously had the opportunity to meet a lot of different um, professional players like Michelle and, and Rory and, and Ricky Fowler. Um, do you have a favorite player that you enjoy watching uh, when, you, when you get a chance to watch golf on TV? Uh, yes, I actually got to meet him as well, uh, Jordan Spieth and uh, Lexi. I also, I, those are my two favorites. Wow, so Jordan and, and you're talking about Lexi Thompson, right? Yes, sir. And what do you like about both of them? What is there something about their game that you really like, the way that they maybe handle themselves out in the golf course, or do you just like the style, the way they play golf? Yeah, I really enjoy Lexi because she's always been the youngest competitor, and she's never uh, intimidated that she's always the youngest. You know, she still strives for greatness, and she always gets those low scores and uh, always is up there on the leaderboard. She never gets intimidated, and uh, I really look up to that. And uh, Jordan, I just uh, just love 
the way he plays. And uh, he comes from Texas as well, University right. of Texas. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, Alexa, let me ask you, you, you obviously get a chance to, to watch an, a lot of different players, and you said that sometimes you get to take things away from, from that experience of, of watching them play. Um, is there something that maybe a tour player that you've watched, whether it be Jordan or, or Lexi or, or another player, is there something, maybe a tip or something that you've, you've sort of applied to your game or tried to apply to your game that you've seen watching them play in tournament golf? Is there something that you've learned from watching them play? Well, uh, sometimes I like watching tournaments and, you know, maybe after I have a round, I was like, I'd be, sometimes I was wondering, hey, how did I hit that or how do I get that to put some spin on it? And I probably watched them over and over again five to seven times and just see, just to see if maybe that will help me and, uh, so I'll go out on the course and uh, I'll try it out, and uh, that's how I uh, pull a little bit of uh, what I see into my game. Now, you, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, you said that you uh, pretty much practice every day. How much time do you spend each day practicing? Obviously, you have school and things like that, but how much time are you able to practice uh, each day? Uh, well, uh, every day I come home from school. And I uh, I go to the golf course and I practice for about an hour and a half to uh, two hours. Now, when you say practice, do you is that just on the on the range or the practice tee, or do you sometimes go out and play maybe a few holes, you know, if time permits, to to kind of get used to playing in a real situation, or do you just go out to the driving range and, and hit balls? Well, uh, as I said, uh, I try to put in a tournament every single weekend, so. Uh, I'll play the tournament, and uh, Monday will come around, and uh, I'll see, oh, I needed help on my driving. And then right. I'll work more on my driving, and probably the next day, uh, every single day I uh, practice something different. And uh, the last day I uh, hit a practice round, but, uh, you know, whatever I need help on most on my tournament, that's what I practice most on uh, the weekend. So you're you're able to to look at your game each weekend that you play and say, okay, I need a little bit work here or I need a little bit work there, and then that's the following week. That's what you go and work on, correct? Yes, sir. Very good. That that's incredible because you know most high handicappers um, and most adults don't have that ability to be able to do that. So you know, obviously you've you've conditioned yourself um, to be able to observe your own game and then be able to analyze your own game and that's that's a great quality and a great feature to have and i'm sure that that's something that you probably have noticed in a lot of very good players out in the pga tour and the lpga tour is that right yes sir now i want to ask your i want to ask your um your mother uh, just a couple of questions doris as well um while you're here now you obviously have to um you've got two daughters now playing golf one that's playing uh, competitively and, and then one that's sort of just working your way uh, in as well. Um, let, let's stick with Alexa for just a, a second here. Obviously, there, there has to be a balancing act. The fact that she's on the honors roll indicates that she's doing very well at school, so there aren't any issues there. How do you help her to find balance in, in both her, her education and in her golf, which is something that she enjoys doing? 
Yeah, you know what, that is a great question. Um, I think here the key is that the parents uh, have to find that balance first. And uh, I think part of it uh, is also going to be the uh, time management. Um, we um, we have a schedule, it's very specific, um, and we try to be disciplined in terms of following that schedule every day, and uh, it has worked out pretty good. Uh, one of the things that I like practicing uh, with, also with the girls, is, is reading. Um, and reading not only, I'm not talking necessarily about textbooks or things from homework, uh, right. But that uh, we want how we can manage our time, you know, more efficiently, or things uh, that we can do uh, better to to improve. Now it sounds really, really easy when I'm telling you this, but actually right. putting it into practice, uh, it takes a lot of discipline. You know, for example, uh, for me, starting to uh, bring the snacks ready, you know, when I pick them up to school because here in 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 our area, uh, we only have one hour of practice. So if we want to catch the, de- the daylight, you know, we have to be very precise, you know, when it comes to time, especially if they want to uh, play a practice round. So it is really a team effort, you know, here from, you know, the parent uh, making that commitment uh, to bring the you know the children to practice and uh, providing you know what they need. So one of my goals for um, for this year is actually I am uh, I, I'm sure you already looked at at the page, but I'm trying right. to kind of make our journey um, and share it. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of times that. Um, um, parents, uh, there's a lot of things that I, w- I wish I would have known, you know, when Alexa was starting, you know, to play golf uh, from the equipment, uh, what type of equipment to utilize. Uh, and then uh, when she says, well, I have to constantly be working on uh, different things, driving or short game, uh, ship- chipping, is because they are so physically growing. So they have to change and make uh, adjustments as they grow uh, with the different equipment that, they are, uh, that they're using or um, even with their own, um, let's say, the grip or things, what, what, whatever that is, uh, they constantly have to make adjustments. So it's not like, uh, I guess, different from uh, the professional players that they're already, you know, that size, that age, you know, but in, in different than junior golfers, they're constantly changing um, and so we also have to be good uh, servants to that. For example, what kind of uh, feedback we're going to bring to the coaches. Uh, many times um, uh, the coaches, they don't have the opportunity to uh, go visit every single one of their, their students at different uh, tournaments. Um, so we have to come back with feedback. Hey, this is what I observed that is happening, you know, in this tournament, and then they can work better, you know, with the children. So there, it, it is definitely, I will say, that it is, it is a, a team effort, you know, from uh, the commitment from the parents to uh, obviously the discipline in uh, in children. And and also, um, Alexa mentioned something uh, interesting is um, now we try to let her uh, play. You know, I think at one, at one point when she was starting playing, uh, we were constantly, you know, 
like, do, you know, do this, you, what's your stand, you know, kind of just behind her. But now it's more, hey, we want you to own your game, you know, kind of just do right. your thing, uh, go out uh, to the course and play, and kind of just take every tournament uh, as a practice. You know, yes, it is competitive. Um, obviously, you want to have fun. You want to enjoy what you're doing. Um, I love golf. I mean, I have to say I love it. Um, uh, everything that has to do with it, I mean, from watching her play um, or to, I mean, just enjoying nature. You know, it's, everything is, um, it, it's, it's, it's something that you get so involved in the sport that it kind of becomes a part of your life and a part of, you know, what you do uh, as a routine. Um, but at the same time, uh, we not, you don't want that to so much become a routine. You know, you want to enjoy right. uh, uh, what they're doing, and um, and also you want the child to enjoy um, this, the game and the sport. So, um, it, I mean, there are so many things that I that I wish we had the time, you know, to go over. Um, right. But one of my recommendations for uh, parents with uh, children who are starting to play the game uh, is is kind of like nurture the love for the game. I think when you uh, love what you do, um, it's, it makes things easier so and better for everyone. <laughs> well, and, do you think... Um, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. What I was going to ask you was, um, and you hit on a, an interesting point, obviously from listening to Alexa, she obviously loves to play golf and it's something that she uh, really enjoys doing and has a, has a passion about. And, and what makes it interesting is one of the, the dangers that a lot of parents have to, you know, be careful of is that they don't sort of push their children too hard in a sport. So what you try to do, and, as, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you try to um, go along as she wants, not what you want, Correct. Yes, and that was also um, a learning uh, experience that I had, uh, to be quite honest. When she was starting playing, uh, obviously the score was, was a little high, you know, when she started. And I was like, sure. okay, we're going to class a lot, and <laughs> we already went over this all the time. <laughs> so, um, and then I kind of had to, um, uh, to change that, uh, to, to, to tell you the truth. I was like, okay. I I want her to love the game, and um, and that's when I said okay. Um, and also her dad, uh, her dad was catting for her, um, and um, but once they own the game, um, they get more accountability. They probably are uh, enjoy it more as well. Um, instead of you know if if the parent is constantly you know constantly on right. Uh, in the corrections or things like that, um, I think they can they get to the point where they can when they play they get to see oh this is what I need to work on next time you know so um, and it's a learning I mean it's a learning process um, like I said one of my recommendations for uh, new parents because I do get that question a lot you know when mm-hmm. we go to the golf course it's like how do you do it I mean how do you do it and and it's like, wow, um, <laughs> everybody, I mean, we all want to learn. You know, we all learn as we go. But right. um, 
So definitely what I will tell um, parents with uh, children who are starting to play the game is um, they have to love what they're doing. You know, and if they do that, they're going to take responsibility, you know, in because golf is a game that requires a lot of discipline. Uh, for example, earlier you mentioned uh, traveling. I mean, yes. there's times that the kids have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, on a Saturday morning, on Sunday morning, you know, yeah. to make it to the tea time at uh, 7 a.m. So there, there is a, um, a lot of these things, you know, that come with, with the sports. So, and when they, um, when they own the game, they want to do these things. You know, they have that motivation uh, to continue. Um, I think the different leagues that, or the different links that um, Alexa plays with, um, and they're they're constantly reinforcing. You know the you know the different values, the different. Uh, they're very good in motivating also uh, the children because. In golf, it's not necessarily as maybe football, you know, the or any other sport where the coach is there or, you know, the parents sometimes you have to become the coach and the parent at the tournament, you know. So so it's a lot of that too, uh, how to be able to, to manage that. And like I said, I am still – I feel that I'm still learning – and um, definitely I would like to invite, you know, uh, professionals, you know, who work with uh, mental management, um, with mental management or even um, how to motivate, you know, the, the children, you know, to continue um, the game, to love the game, and uh, hopefully, you know, they, they – they make it to the big link. So, um, it, and it's something that it has to be done on a daily basis. Right. Now, do you, you know, obviously, as I was mentioning before, it's really sort of a nurturing process because what you do is you obviously have to find balance, as, as we talked about with uh, Alexa and her schoolwork. You want to make sure that she keeps that uh, up to par. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then at the same time, you want to make sure that she's, um, you know, diligent in her efforts on the golf course as well. Um, but obviously there, there are going to be times, I mean, she's, she's just, you know, 12 years old and, and, you know, just a, a young girl. And obviously sometimes sure. things, you know, other interests uh, come up and things like that or wants to be with friends. Um, and, and obviously sometimes that plays a factor. Are there moments throughout her journey so far where she's just, you know, mom, I, I just don't know if I want to, you know, playing this tournament this weekend uh, or, you know, something else is going on that I really want to do. Do you ever find moments like that? And if so, how do you handle that? Wow. Um, one of um, one of the things that I talked to uh, Alexa uh, a lot or one of my advices for her is always surround yourself with other children or other kids in your class that kind of have the same, uh, even if they don't play golf, you know, but if they have um, kind of like um, if they're also in athletics or music or art or different things that involve the discipline, uh, then they all kind of share the same um, interest. You know, even if they play different sports, 
for example, her friends, some of them are on the volleyball team. Uh, they, they, um, but they, they all go through the same uh, situation. So mm-hmm. um, I like um, that. Um, I think I believe she's taking that advice um, of right. you know always around you know it's a, you know and, and for the good you know because um, you want to relate you know with people people want to relate or, or children you know that kind of have your your same you know busy schedule uh, per se and right. um, now has there been times uh, where they say, well, oh, I don't know if I want to play. I mean, yes, there has been times. I mean, and I have to say, uh, for example, there was one tournament that it was so cold, oh, my God. And <laughs> we're like, okay, everybody is at home watching TV and it's cold. <laughs> right. And that's where, that's where um, I think all the mental uh, game cam- comes in. You know, that's where... Uh, parents have to be doing homework um, with the children every day. It's really an everyday type of situation. Every day, hey, you know, um, you know, the sport is a discipline. This is what it takes. Um, and um, and I think Alexa has um, she she is very determined and she's very disciplined. Um, and um, I mean, she played well. She did very good in that tournament. Um, but um, there there has been times to that and i think uh once again when you do what you love um you're going to you're going to come you know with success you know you're that's going to be the outcome when you are really passionate i guess on on what you uh do and it also takes like i said uh a team effort you know is the parent also you know willing to be out there in the course you know when it could be you know either cold or uh very hot summers here are very hot. Right. <laughs> and that's what uh, summer, yeah, the summers are pretty, uh, uh, it's a high season uh, right. for golf. So I see a lot of parents, let me let me say that, a lot of parents who are committed, you know, to this. Um, and, um, and, and, and it's great, you know, because they are supporting, you know, uh, their children, their, their dream. Um, some children, they play, for different reasons, you know, they play um, because they love the game. Others want to play college golf, you know, and obviously, you know, you have some kids that want to make it to the big links. So uh, also uh, my hat's off to those parents, you know, because there's uh, – and coaches, you know, mm-hmm. that go through the process, you know, supporting um, these children, uh, so it's really it really takes a village. Uh, it's a team. Yep. It's a team effort. You know, from the golf courses, uh, all the places that we've been. Um, I think they've been they've been awesome. I mean, and uh, and and the coaches as well. You know, I think they now, do a great. Job. Now let me ask uh, Alexa. I want to ask you um, a question since we're on the topic of coaches. Um, do you do you work with? Do you have a coach that helps you uh, besides obviously your parents? Uh, and and if so, what uh, what do they have you? What part of your game are you working on right now? Well, right now I work with uh, a coach over there in a golf school in North Houston, and uh, right now we're just working on uh, improving my grip. Mm-hmm. Now, so, how how long 
how long have you worked with this coach? And and I, I don't know if you're you're able to or not, or if you want to say their name, that's fine, just to to give them a little uh, credit for helping you out. But uh, what's your coach's name, and how long have you been working with this particular person? Uh, yeah, I've known Coach Aurora for uh, I've known her since I was six, so that'd be six years. Right. I started working with her when I was about eight. And, uh, you know, she's just been great. Now, she obviously um, knows your game very well. She's worked with you for – she's known you since six, but she's worked with you since eight. So she's had an opportunity um, to see a lot of the, the tournaments that you play and, and, and gets sort of feedback from you and, and your mom. Um, do you sit down with her throughout the week or, or when you go to, to the uh, golf course – after a tournament, let's say if you play uh, in the next couple of weeks, if you play on a tournament, do you go back to her after you've played the tournament and talk about how you played that, that weekend and, and then work on some of the things that you had difficulties on? Uh, yes, sir. I uh, I talk to her, um, even if it's just a little 10-minute conversation. Uh, she'll, she's no, she uh, always knows what I'm talking about if uh you know, if I said, "Oh, I needed, to, I had some trouble around the greens, or uh, I need to work on my uh, my ninety yard shot," uh, she'll be like, "Okay, well, let's see." And uh, you know, what I like about her is that she she doesn't she uh, she helps with the uh, you know just like the mechanics, not like uh, it. She doesn't just look at the problem, and she's not like, "Oh, it's." It has to be this. She's uh, she always helps to solve the problem, and um, she always does. Well, that's that's great, and you're obviously very comfortable with her, and you have a good relationship with her. Uh, that's somebody that you trust, because that's very important when you're playing golf. Um, when you're working with a coach or or a teacher, you have to have somebody that you feel comfortable with that understands how you play and, and is able to sort of look at what you're doing and, and say, okay, you know, Alexa, I, I noticed that you're doing this or you're not doing this, and you have to, to be very receptive to that. So that's good that you have a good relationship with her. Um, so you have some tournaments coming up here in the next few weeks or no? Yes, sir. I actually have one Saturday. Okay. And where is that going to be? What's the tournament and where is it going to be? It is going to be in Houston, Glenlock. Very good. Now, let me ask you one, one because uh, I want to end on, on a positive note. We've got to wrap things up here for you. But um, you, you talked about that you want to play uh, collegiate golf, and then eventually um, you want to make your way to the, to the LPGA Tour. Do you have a, a school in mind that you would like to maybe play for at, at the collegiate level? Is there a school that you're, you're kind of favoring, or, or is it too soon yet? Uh, you know, uh, you know, a D1 college, hopefully, and uh, good weather. Somewhere where it's good weather, not somewhere all the way up north uh, where we get to no. know the time. We barely have to practice, but uh, <laughs> somewhere good weather, D1, that'd be great, amazing. Well, that would be that would be perfect. Well, Alexa, I, I want to uh, I want to congratulate you on, on all that you've you've done so far. I mean, it's 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 truly amazing and an honor to have this time to spend with you and I hope that you will uh, come back and, and visit with me again um, both you and, and your mom and uh, and maybe next time we'll we'll include your your younger sister in the conversation as well but uh, 
and talked a little bit about her golf. But I want to wish you all the success this year and, and congratulations on all the success that you've already had. And just, you know what, first and foremost, um, I know you'll continue to work hard in your game, but go out and just have fun and enjoy um, these years um, that, that you're playing uh, on these different tournaments. And I know that uh, you'll have a very promising career. And congratulations. Thank you, and uh, thank you for having me. Well, it, it was a pleasure, and, and Doris, thank you as well um, for coming on and, and spending some time. And I know that you've probably got some, some homework to make sure she does and, and <laughs> gets ready for, for another day and, and uh, gets ready for some practice uh, before the tournament. Good luck this weekend, Alexa, yeah. and, and thank you very much, both of you, for, for coming on tonight and talking with me on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. Right. Thank you for coming. All right, you too. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was my very special guest, Alexa and Doris Vela. Uh, Alexa, of course, is a 12-year-old junior golfer in Houston, Texas area, who's just really racking up the, the wins, uh, 107 um, medals and, and trophies. Uh, she's already uh, managed to accumulate in such a short time, and, and you can tell that she obviously is very dedicated, enjoys and loves the game, and uh, I, I'm sure she has a very promising career ahead of her. Uh, I've got a great guest coming up here. Uh, I see he's already ready for me in the wings. Let me just do a, uh, an introduction here, and, and I will bring him on here in just a moment. Um, Tom Patry has been on the show a number of times before. He's been on uh, at least two or three other times. and always have a great conversation with him. He's uh, one of Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers in America, has been a leading voice in the golf instruction for more than 30 years. He's taught at every level of the game, uh, coaching more than 100 PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, and PGA Club professionals, and hundreds of top juniors and amateurs alike. The game has taken Tom literally around the world, uh, first as a distinguished player, and of course now as one of golf's most knowledgeable and devoted teachers. Uh, please welcome Mr. Tom Patry. I- I'm doing very well, Tom. Thank you for uh, for coming on Golf Talk Live. Teddy, it's always a pleasure to be with you. It's great to hear your voice. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Let, let's start. Let, let's start off since we've got uh, a few extra moments here uh, tonight. Uh, I've got something specific that I want to talk to you about tonight. We've talked about it, I know, before, um, but but I, I think since we're coming into a new year, I think it would would behoove us not to talk about it. We're going to talk about your um, some of the things that you're doing at your golf schools and that. But what I wanted to ask you is, I know you were down at the PGA Show uh, here just a few weeks ago. I unfortunately had to cancel last minute uh, due to some personal things that had come up. Um, anything new and exciting that you saw at the show or anything caught your eye uh, that really excited you or, or just sort of? You know, Ted, I, I, uh, I spent some time with the guys from Body Track and, and uh, the Body Track Matt uh, mm-hmm. and V1 Golf. And, uh, you know, the force plate situation and the balance situation as it relates to the new technologies and being able to measure a student's um, weight transfer and, and dispersion of weight throughout the golf swing and its location uh, in high speed and correlated with video is um, is a wonderful tool that a lot of guys have kind of gravitated to. Um, I think it's very simple to distinguish where you are in space and time with the mm-hmm. technology, and I yeah. I, uh, I really uh, I enjoyed uh, spending some time with Terry Hashimoto, who's uh, one of the creators and developers of the uh, right. of the product. So right. that was that was a fun bit of information for me. Yeah, so that was that was pretty neat. Uh, you know, Ted, the show every year is. Uh, is more of a networking tool for me and a chance to catch yep. up with old friends in the business. And uh, I, I don't get to spend as much time as I like to spend on the show on the show floor itself. I, I was speaking to a couple of groups. I, I spoke to V. I spoke to V. One a little bit. Right. And 
and, and also was in a ton of meetings. So it's not quite the same as it was 20 years ago for me. Yeah, and, and I think I've, I've heard that a lot. You know, um, uh, Cindy Miller, of course, LBJ professional Cindy Miller that co-hosts um, the Women of Golf show that we do every Tuesday morning was down this year as well. And, and she pretty much, you know, uh, echoed what you just said, you know, in a lot of meetings and, and meeting with a lot of different uh, organizations and that while she's down there. So she really didn't get a chance to go through the show floor, if you will, uh, as much as she has in the past. And, and that's understandable. Um, there's just a lot of different things that you, you have to specifically, you go down there with an agenda, things that you want to catch up on or you want to find out what some of the changes are coming up for the next season in certain areas that, that are of interest to you. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But, um, Tom, I wanted to give you an opportunity because I know that you, you do so much for the game. And we talked about, I think, the very first time that you were on here, um, really uh, you, you had written a book called The Sixth, Six-Spoke Approach to Better Golf Learning. And I wanted to talk about the uh, the six-spoke points, if you will, tonight. Just sort of recap over them. Tell them We'll go through each of, the, each of them here. And just give you an opportunity to really talk about how you sort of came up with this and why uh, you feel it's important that, that golfers understand uh, these six different points. So let's let's jump right in and let's just talk with uh, – first off, tell about the six-spoke approach. Explain to the listeners out there what it is, and then we'll get into the specific points. Yeah, Ted, it was really a, a culmination of a journey that started in the early to mid-'90s when I was teaching at Westchester Country Club, and we just – me looking at the game uh, and its synergy and in the sense that you know, what, what had to go into making a good player good and a great player great. And, and so many things happened, I thought, in the development of a great player before they got on the lesson tee with a teacher and worked on technique. And, you know, it goes, you know we talked about the mind and, and, and the body, right. time management, statistical analysis, club fitting, and then we talked about number six being technique, and I felt like all those other things, those other five things, had to be in place and understood by, by the player in its development and his or her development before he even stepped on the tee with a, a chance in hell of really being a good player. Um, yeah. I really think that as a teacher and as a coach today in, in 2016, you know, we, we've seen these, this younger generation hit the golf ball just miles, and and yeah. uh, and, we, and we're getting so many better athletes coming to the game. Uh, I think you know guys like like Tiger and and you know Freddie Couples and Ernie Els and the generation that kind of came before, you know, really gave the game game a real boost. Um, and we saw better athletes coming to the game. Um, I, I'm sure if, if Tiger Woods had been in another uh, uniform, he could play wide receiver for the you know for the uh, New York Jets or. Freddie Couple could have played second base for the New York Yankees, and and some right. of these guys are great athletes. And Ernie Els probably was a you know a wonderful tennis player from what I understand. So we're getting really great athletes, and because of these guys that popularized the game, um, you know the kid that comes to my lesson tee now, he could have been the high school quarterback on the local football team, or or could have been the center on the basketball team. So we're getting bigger, stronger, better athletes coming to the game. When you put today's equipment into their hands man, the golf ball just explodes. So the game really changed with these guys and, and, and how they how they grew grew attention and, and grew and grew people people's hearts to the game. Um so in, in looking at those things the body was very important to me and then and then obviously right. the, the player's mind and understanding the game and how to think his his or her way around the golf course. And we talk about focus and, and the, all these different terminologies that we're not part of the game pre-1990, basically. You know, uh, we, mm. we we had guys like, you know, like Dr. Dick Cooper at the University of North Carolina and, and Bob Rotella and so many of these great, you know, 
great mind coaches come to the game and make people understand how to understand themselves better and play the game. And then, you know, with, with the recreational player, I try to make them understand from a time management standpoint that they have lives and they have wives and they have kids and they have jobs and they have, you know, they have obligations and, and how much time they really have to put into the game and what's realistic about their expectations and, that, and how to reach their expectations and how's, how, how, what's the best plan of action to get to their expectations. So time management is very, very important in, in that process. And then certainly it's amazing to me still, Ted, in 2016, Right. How many people don't have fitted equipment? How, how many people have not had their equipment fitted, uh, you know, today when it's so easy to have that done? And so many people are, are very, very, you know, expert-like in fitting equipment. And how many people still come to my lesson tee, you know, playing with the golf club that it's too heavy for them or it's too stiff for them or the line angle is wrong? It just baffles my mind that people haven't embraced club fitting uh, to the degree I really think they should today. So. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of components here, and statistically, understanding your golf game. If you understand your stats, you understand how to use your time better. And you know, so many people come out to a range and they beat their driver for 35 minutes to an hour, when actually, they <laughs> statistically, you know, when they look at their game, they haven't got the ball up and down in their life ever. You know, so I try to make them stat their game too and understand statistically where their game really is, and then take those stats and turn it into the time management segment of the six spoke where they can design a practice routine that really makes sense to them and is efficient for them. And then the final spoke is me. You know, then they've understood all these different areas of their game and, and how, to really under, how to really wrap their arms around those areas of the game. Then they finally come to me for a golf lesson, and we have a chance, a fighting chance, to implement some information that will really make them better players and, uh, and, 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 you know, really conceptually understand what they need to do with their golf club when they swing it. You know, well said. You know, the thing is, and, and we've talked about this before on the show, you know, there is so many changes and there's so much, uh, many advantages now in the golf industry that are available um, from club fitting to some of the different techniques that are out there that uh, are, are there to really enhance golf. And yet the average high handicapper still comes, you know, with, with the same sort of questions. Well, how do you fix my slice and how do you, and they don't really understand that it's not something that, you know, you can fix with a Band-Aid. They have to look at the overall picture. And, you know, as you t- talk about in the six spokes here, there's there's more than just one component. It's not just a matter of making a couple of adjustments or a few tweaks here and there that's going to do that. I mean, you can certainly help um, to a small degree, but if somebody truly wants to improve uh, and lower their handicap and play some better golf, there's a commitment involved, correct? Uh, you know, I think so. I, I think you also, as a teacher or as a coach, you have to understand who's standing in front of you. You know, if you had, if you had Tiger in front of you or Fred or Ernie in front of you, there's certainly a, a, a very understood level of commitment there, and, and they're, sure. they're great champions, and they want to play the game at a very high level. If you have Mrs. Mrs. Smith in front of you, who who doesn't and has never played a sport in her life, and this is her first venture into sport, uh, and she'd yeah. like to get the ball in the air, th- air three times in a row, there's certainly going to be a different level of commitment with Mrs. Smith. Right. And I, th- I think as a teacher or coach, you have to understand who's in front of you and what what really are they willing to do to take their game to the next level. So I used to be extremely, extremely anti-Band-Aid. I mean, I incredibly right. anti-Band-Aid. I, I would only, you know, accept almost a student that was really committed to game improvement. And I guess I guess with age, Ted, I guess yeah. I've softened a, little, I've softened a little bit, you know. And I'm a little, more, I'm a little bit more compassionate now in, uh, in 2016 to Mrs. Smith and helping her hit three drivers in a row up in the air. Um, 
I really think that you have to understand who's in front of you and, 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 and what they're willing to do and what they understand they can do or can't do. Yeah, and you're right. You know, you can't expect the same level of of um, commitment from Mrs. Smith, as you said, to to say somebody like a Tiger or Freddie or, or you know Ernie Els. Of course not. But at the same time, I think that you also have. I think the number one thing you have to be as as a teacher or coach, you have to be a good listener. You have to listen to what their needs and what their wants are, and then you have to sort of adjust your um, style or your approach, if you will to meet their needs. Obviously, if somebody's coming to you and saying, look, I, you know, I just want to be able to get the ball in the air, um, you, know, you don't have to, to commit them to you know, the next six months of lessons and, and things like that. Uh, they may be just getting ready for an event. They may just play you know, a couple times a year. They're not really serious golfers. So you have to, there's a market there as well. But I think at the same time, I think that, that there also are, are golfers out there that for a long time have really wanted to see significant change and haven't been able to get it for one reason or another. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that that's something that I think the industry as a whole has to recognize. I mean, you know this as well as I do, and, and I don't. one thing I, I don't do on this show, I don't make any bones about it. One of the problems that has really been in this industry is that handicaps have not really come down as a whole. And I think one of the reasons is that maybe – the golfers out there have become a little bit frustrated as to how their game is being approached. What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? Well, I think that's a great question, Ted. I think that, you know, I, I tend to be, although I, I'm happy in 2016 to help Mr. Smith, I tend to be probably somebody that the more serious player or more passionate player I will, I will right. graduate towards. I mean, I don't tend to attract Mrs. Smith very often because I think people look right. at me and if they've been around me at all know that I'm going to be a little bit more serious about game, game improvement and I'm going to be a little bit more in your face about game improvement. Um, so I tend to attract them. I don't really care, Ted, if you're a 3 or a 33 handicap. I care right. that you're passionate right. and you want to improve. So as long as you show me that commitment and passion, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. So I think that there's a lot of teachers and coaches out there that don't really make it very clear to the person who comes to their lesson tee what it's really going to take to change their golf swing, change their ball flight, change their efficiency and consistency on a regular basis. We, we who have played golf at any, at any kind of decent skill level really understand how hard this game can be at times and what, right. the, level of, and what the level of commitment you need to have uh, in your heart to really take this to the next level. So I think... When somebody shows up and they claim to be claim to be really right. passionate about game improvement, we have a really serious sit down about okay, I, I love your passion and I love your commitment, or so you say. This is what's going to have to happen in the next three months, six months, and nine months to really get you where you want to be. You know, right. um, and I don't think there's very many people really Ted said to say on the planet who really truly understand that from the student side. And I also don't understand. I, I don't think I, I. I don't think there's many very teachers or coaches out there who really have the guts to stand up on a lesson tee and tell the student how it really is. Yeah. Um, I, I have a wonderful luxury in 2016, Ted. My lesson book is full, so I yep. have the ability to be extremely, extremely, extremely honest with people when they come to me, and if they decide not to come back. I'll still be able to put food on my table tomorrow night. 
And I think right. there's a, a percentage of people out there that really, really appreciate that honesty. Uh, and there's people out there that really think I'm, you know, a little bit too aggressive, too bold, if you will, and I'm not the guy for them. That's okay. That's okay because because Joe Smith down the street will give them that $75 golf lesson and pat them on the back and tell them they're wonderful when they're not. He's still right. around. So I, I, I really feel like i got to be really honest with these people. If they're going to write me a check, I have an obligation to them to be extremely, extremely honest up front and clear to them as as to what their journey will entail. Yeah, and, and, and the reason why I asked that, and, and this is sort of leading me into the next question, you know, I've I've had some conversations with other uh, professionals out there, and I think there's been a different, and, and and you know as well as I do, Tom, that um, golf instruction has changed not just because of technology, but the the approach. For instance, I'll give you an example. You know, years ago, uh, most courses that had a club professional, um, you know, they could pretty much open their doors, and and people that were interested would come to them. But it's a different if it's it's a different beast, if you will. Now we have to really um, go out after. Um, the people as well. We can certainly advertise and promote through social media. That has certainly helped a lot. But at the same time, there's a lot of people just because of time management. So we have to be more creative. It's not just a matter of opening up the doors in the morning and saying, okay, I'm here. We have to find creative ways of wanting and encouraging people to to you know come into our place of business or to come to our facility or uh, online uh, school or what have you. So is there a big difference that you've seen in the last 20, 30 years on how things have been approached, and again, going to the same question, are, are a lot of them not doing the right things as far as going out there and, and getting these new, because we, we know, uh, Tom, from just the statistics, they don't lie. Uh, golf is, has certainly gone down uh, as far as participation, and the golf industry has been scratching its head on trying to find ways of growing the game, and we hear that word going all you know through the, the industry. So uh, again, going to that question, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong, and what do courses uh, and professionals need to do differently um, now than maybe what they were doing 20, 30 years ago? Well, I, I think I think if I use if I use Naples, Florida, where I'm where I'm teaching and where I'm based at as a as a microcosm of the nation, a couple of things that I can I think I answer that question a couple of different ways. First of all, Naples, Florida has 81 golf clubs in Collier County. 81, okay. In one yeah. county, I'll, I'll bet you there are, and I'm, I'm guessing right now. I'm going to do this off the top of my head. I think there are five or six public facilities, okay, and 75 mm-hmm. or 73 mm-hmm. private facilities. I think that's that's a really bad <laughs> a bad ratio right there. So I think municipalities, uh, the state, has not done a very good job of promoting the game and bringing people and understanding the tourist industry, understanding really the state of Florida, understanding understanding dollars and cents. I mean, why does Naples, Florida not have a 54-hole municipal public facility with a practice facility in it? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, right. The quality, the quality of public golf in Naples, Florida is really overall extremely poor. You look yeah. at places like Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you look at Long Island, New York, okay? You mm-hmm. think that would be a hotbed, a hotbed of golf. Long Island, New York, had, where I grew up, has wonderful public golf, really, really good public golf, and a lot of it. You know, it's very, very popular. And, and here's the state of Florida and Naples, which is a real hotbed of golf, people think, real poor public access. So I think that's a problem. I think on the teaching side, I think that 20 or 30 years ago, you know, I was at Westchester Country Club, and I opened my door in the morning, and people came. And now right. there's so, so many people 
that are not just the club pro but are specialists, guys that all they do for a living is teach, and there's a lot of those guys. So there's a lot of guys now, a lot more guys teaching full-time, only teaching full-time, and that's how they pay their bills. So many more guys who are not folding shirts, not dotting scorecards, not running the ladies' member guests, not running the men's member day. They're out there just teaching, so there's a lot more competition for this piece of right. pie. And and when there's more competition but yet less people coming to the game, that math doesn't work out very well. So if as a golf instructor, as a coach, you're not a businessman also. You don't understand social media in 2016. You don't understand the Internet in 2016. You don't have a website. You don't have a you know an e-news newsletter e-blast. Boy, you're, you're going to get run over you know by a truck, and you're not going right. to be paying your bills very well. So I think a lot of things that have changed um, – I think that uh, yeah, in some in some instances, golf is oversaturated. It's golf's made the access is too hard. It's too expensive. There's a lot of problems that we've all talked about in the industry over the last five or ten years. Um, but I don't think even local municipalities in in hotbeds of golf like Naples, Florida, understand that they can help grow the game also. And it's such a healthy game and it's such a, a positive game for the community that they haven't really gotten behind the game the way they should. And I fault the PGA of America that, for that also. They they do certain initiatives that they think are wonderful. They need to right. get involved with local governments and local municipalities and say, listen, we want to partner with you to grow the game because they have yeah. the access and the land and the financial ability to get behind this thing and as, as partners um, do a wonderful job. I don't think that's happened yet, and, and I hope I hope it could happen someday. Yeah, and that, that's exactly right. And, and again, well said, Tom. You know, I'm from from the north as well as I've mentioned many times. And, and as you know, I'm originally from Canada, and and much like up in the northeast where you're from, we have the same uh, you know great golf course, great public golf courses up there, both municipal and and uh, some of them are privately owned, but they're public access. And some of those courses, to be honest, Tom, will will rival some of the best resort courses that you could ever come across. And it's because yeah. people had the foresight to say, hey, you know, we, we know that it's not just the, the, you know, the club members that we want to attract to this game. We want to attract, you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith as well to come out and play. So we're going to put something, a great product together, if you will, a great venue uh, yeah, sure. and, and, and encourage them to come out. And you're right, you know, with a state like Florida where you've got a perfect and ideal climate, there's, I mean, a, a zillion and one golf courses, but many of them are private and do not allow public access and or very little access and and you know you would think that they would would be more creative especially in this day and age um one of the areas too and 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 i you know i had to let me make one more, one more point so let me sure. give you an example and i think i think your, your canadian example there is a wonderful example on long island we have a, a new york state park called beth page and you're yep. very familiar with that and most of our listeners yep. will be beth page black Beth Page Red, Beth Page Blue, Beth Page Yellow, and Beth Page Green. And obviously the black horse is very famous. It's a wonderful yep. facility, okay? It's a wonderful mm-hmm. facility, and, and, and that's on Long Island in New York. And you're going to tell me that exists on Long Island in New York, Beth Page does, and there's nothing like that or anywhere even close to that in Naples, Florida. Does that make any right. sense? Does no, that, not that doesn't at all. make any sense to me. And by the no, way, I, it doesn't I, exist in... It doesn't exist in Miami. It doesn't exist in West Palm Beach. It doesn't really exist in Jacksonville. The closest thing I can think of it exists to is maybe Orange County National in in Orlando. 
But right. that that's not really that's not you know that's more of a resort situation than a public situation. So uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, Ted, and not, not at all. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, you you know, you can go out to Arizona and and some of the western states, and there's just some. I mean, Vegas is a good example. Now, I know again, these are more resort, but it's it's public access. I mean, anybody can play these, and these are phenomenal uh, golf courses. I'm, I'm sure you've, right. you've played a number of them yourself. So, sure, you know, sure. it, it just does not make sense. Um, you know, here in the uh, up in the state of Alabama, you've got the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail. Some great golf courses. I think okay. ten of them. Right. Uh, right. From, from the bottom so, of the state. So, so we we've, we've watched Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama be highly as 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 people in the industry. We've watched the trail in Alabama be highly successful. So if if I'm watching my northern neighbor as a as a as a Florida politician watch the state of Alabama. Okay, yep. produce the trail. The trail. I'm going to say, why wouldn't I just copy that? Why wouldn't I take that blueprint and copy it in the state of Florida? Because certainly I have better weather. I have, I have, I have a much, not even a close, much better tourism flow. Why yep. wouldn't that be successful in Florida? Right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the business, uh, Tom. I think the business model that they've set up in Florida is they're they're looking at a different. Um, they're not really looking to attract the the local golfer, if you will. It's all about tourism, and it's about really bringing people to the state of Florida. So that resort, you know, mentality, if you will. And then, of course, Florida being a very popular state for uh, retiring, uh, you know, folks both from Canada and, and Northeast. You know, they want that sort of uh, exclusivity, and I think that's how the original business model of Florida was developed, and it's gotten to the point now where it's just literally saturated with, and they're f- phenomenal golf course, don't get me wrong, but they've, they've taken that business model of the resort feel or the, the private club membership feel and have just sort of blanketed the state. They've got limited space um, really now. I mean, you know, you can't really yeah, do anything. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but Ted, but, let's, let's back up a second. So so in, in, in the resort model in Naples, Florida, I won't mention any names because I don't want to... No, I know. I don't want to create a fire here, but there's, there's two... There's two, basically, you know, more or less, two resorts in Naples, Florida. Both right. of those daily, both, both of those fee structures are $250 or higher in season. Okay, right. $250 or higher. So the next product after that, the next level after the public golf, is like a $65 product that, quite frankly, you and I wouldn't put our dogs on. Okay. Right. So the guy comes, in, the guy comes into town to Naples. He stays at XYZ Hotel, nice hotel. He's got access to the beach. His wife and family are down, but he wants to go play golf. So he had to easily have to go to 250 or to 65. At 65, he's putting on dirt, and at 250, it's hurting his pocketbook. There's nobody. There's nothing in the middle there. Okay. Yeah. And and in town, in town, we have any. And I can I can I can substantiate this. I have X number of professional people that I teach that are doctors, lawyers, accountants, you know, skilled people who make a nice living. But they can't join a club for a hundred thousand dollars. But yeah. they could pay they could pay a hundred and twenty five dollar green fee or a ninety dollar green fee for a nice daily fee experience. That doesn't exist. It does yeah. not exist. Yeah. So, yeah. so where do they go? Yeah, and, and and it's a shame. And you know the thing is, Tom, that, that really you know, sort of makes it difficult as well is that there are so many courses, I mean hundreds of courses from one coast to the other that have shut their doors 
for that very reason is they price themselves out so much. Um, right. And and you know, look how many uh, you know private member clubs that have come either close or have closed their doors or have had to actually open up to uh, some uh, you know some form of public access just to keep their doors open. So you know, right. th- there's obviously a shift and a change. The other thing that I want to talk about, because I, I don't want us to just, you know, sort of, you know, beat down the the, the golf courses out there, but um, but I think it's a discussion, you know, that certainly has happened, but it really needs to, uh, a serious look. The other thing is too, Tom, that I think, and, and there are certainly more and more, and I, I think the LPGA and its members do a phenomenal job, but I think the PGA of America needs to do a better job on its side of it as well, and that is really to encourage more women to come out and play. And one of the things that I hear, we talked about this on the show the other day, and you know this as well as I do, that there's still an intimidation factor by a lot of women. They're very uncomfortable and very apprehensive, especially the newbies that are wanting to play golf. They'd love to play, but they don't know how to get started. What can we do to make it more inviting for women? I think that's that's a great question. I I think that's great. You'll be very proud of me, Ted. I I hired a young lady this winter to join me at my golf school, my golf situation, my teaching situation. Her name is Gail Graham. You probably know that name. She's a mm-hmm. she's one of you guys up from the Northland in Canada. She's the yes. ninety she was the ninety seven Australian Masters champion. She was a, a former president of the LPGA tour. Uh Gail is uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass Gail. She's probably just a little north of fifty now and still plays the game at a pretty high level, plays some legends tour events. But I, I wanted to add a female to my staff for that very reason because I think the male environment of most clubs, whether it's yes. true or not true, whether it's perception or reality, is an, intimid- an intimidating place for the, the newbie female player. And I think a lot of women looked at my resume as a teacher and said, oh, I can't go to him because I'm a beginner. He wouldn't want to teach me, which is not true, by the way. It's right. not true at all. I want to say very clearly tonight that one of my – most favorite lessons still today, 36 years into this business, is teaching the beginner. But perception out there by the player looking at me was that, no, I can't go to him. He's too skilled a teacher. So I, I, I didn't want to leave that person on the sideline. I didn't want that person to be, you know, intimidated or, or left, out to, uh, left, out to, you know, left out in the dark. So I brought Gail on, and she's done a wonderful job this winter of attracting so many women back to the lesson tee to feel comfortable and feel welcome and wanted. I think that there's definitely a gender issue here where women are intimidated by the male teacher to some degree. I think it's, right. I think in some cases I think in some cases it's substantiated, and some cases it's not substantiated. But it doesn't matter. Perception is reality. I didn't yeah. want that person. I didn't want that person left on the sideline. And I think you're right. The LPGA does a wonderful job in reaching out to the female newbie, although I don't think any of us do a good enough job. And I think we have to find more ways to bring women to the game and bring women out and make them feel less intimidated. And let's face it, a basically male-driven world uh, yeah. when, it relates to the game, when it relates to the game of golf. Well, there's there's two points I want to I, I want to quickly make, and and then we'll, we'll continue on with our discussion. Uh, you're exactly right. The LPGA has done a phen- phenomenal job. Uh, I interviewed uh, Sydney, and I interviewed uh, I think a year and a half ago uh, Karen Palacios Jansen, who I'm sure you're familiar right. with. And uh, she, yeah, she talked about a initiative that the LPGA did. I think it was last year they started, if I'm not mistaken, where they were actually offering a specific course to their LPGA members on actually how to teach. Two women 
because there is a difference on how women and men learn. And they said one of the problems that a lot of women were complaining about is a lot of the methods that are that were currently being used, and, and certainly not by everybody. I'm not trying to blanket the industry, but as a general rule, we're more geared towards a male-driven society. And women learn differently and have different interests in golf than what men uh, traditionally do. So this was an initiative that take, had taken place, and I believe it was launched last year. And it's a, a, a I think it's a certification course that uh, was offered to the members. But also, too, some of the discussions that I've had, and I think this would really go a long, long ways. And, and, and Tom, I know you've been to many, many different clubs and different or- golf organizations, and you've probably witnessed this very same thing yourself. Um, we know as men, you know, we like to go out and buy some things here and there, but we're not real big shoppers. Women are, are traditionally the shoppers of the family. And most of the golf courses out there don't really cater very much to the women market. And I think that they would probably be smart in getting some women into these pro shops, into these uh, outlets that are, are selling to the public and, and give it a little bit different approach. Do you agree with that, Tom? Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I think it's, I think it's tough. To, I, got, I got to disagree a little bit. I think it's really tough when you're, when you're selling soft goods. And I, and I haven't been a retailer in the, in the golf business for an awful long time, so I am clearly not the expert on this area. But Right. I think that you know some of the things I hear about my my guys who I who I teach in the business, who are golf professionals at at you know different facilities that are ha- that own their own pro shops, it's so tough with a limited market of women yeah. coming through the front door to stock enough item get a, get enough enough of a size run or a style run in there, um, where you're not in, in a, you know at the end of the season, you know eating eating those rags for for your dinner. You know, I mean, so yeah. I think you got to be very careful. I think that that's why places like PGA Superstore and Dick's Sporting right. Goods and and these places have done well because they can weather the storm of a deep inventory run and and make it move somehow in a sale at the end of the year. They have the dollars behind them and the volume coming through the door to appreciate that and 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 accomplish that. So I think that the club pro in the facility with 300 members or the club pro at the local public golf course is really behind the eight ball in in the soft good area to to really accommodate the female sector of the industry, which is really not very large right now, uh, and, and make enough of an impact um, on the soft good side. Well, I'll, I'll give you a good example. Uh, you know, I, I had some conversations here. And in fact, she's been a, a guest on my show, um, Pat Roquet, and she is um, a... a a business individual, but she also plays golf. She's not a, a, an instructor or anything. But she talked to me. She's involved with a number of different uh, golf expos that are taking place up in the Northeast, including Rhode Island and and some others up in the New Jersey area. And she said one of the complaints that she had, she belongs to a, a large women's group in her area in New Jersey. And she said one of the complaints that she had was that a lot of the women that would go to these different expos or golf shows, um, that there was really very little product or very little direction or attention to the the female golfer so there was really not much point in them even going to the show so she's actually taken it upon uh, pat has uh, upon herself to working with these different uh, organizers in order to make it more female friendly so i think we have to start somewhere i, I agree with you i you, you know you can't just go in and all of a sudden every you know pro shop just start hiring uh women coming in and stocking up the shelves i think it's a, it's a transition but you're right i think the big box stores need to sort of start the flow of traffic and then i think you know, the industry itself has to slowly, uh, slowly move into that direction. And, and what you're doing, Tom, uh, kudos to you for, for bringing a young professional 
uh, with you, a, a young female professional in there to really help uh, handle with the with the women's market. Yeah, Gail, Gail, I guess so Gail has done an unbelievably good job, Ted, and she's uh, she's been, you know, she's incredibly approachable. She's um, very talented. She still plays very, very well. Um, she always has a big smile on her face, and she's made that that um, that aura, if you will, kind of soften a little bit where the people who are kind of peeking around the corner as females say, hey, I might want to try this, and maybe this could be fun, you know, and she's offered some, you know, some you know very affordable clinics and 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 introductory type courses that's been very very well received and and it's only going to get better right. for her in, in terms of her lesson book and her revenue stream because she is so approachable and she is so good at what she does. But I think you're right. I think we have to find ways to attract not only women to the game, young, young women to the game, young young girls to the game, young young female athletes to the game that might have other otherwise played soccer or played you know. You know, t-ball or play basketball mm-hmm. or you know, or or play or or gymnast or anyway. We have to get those female athletes to the game, just the way Tiger got and Freddie got those male athletes to the game, and we got to find ways to do that. Well, and I think you know, you you talked about something a little bit earlier, and and I think you know, you're certainly along the right tracks. You talked about you know, really working together with some of the municipalities, and it's not just about you know more. Uh, it's not just about the public access courses. But it's also getting into the, I believe, in the school system. And I know there's a lot of great programs. Kate Tempesta from uh, New York has a great program. And I know this... Uh, this uh, Kate's, done, Kate's done an incredible job. Yeah, she's really yeah done a fantastic job. A lot of people give her uh, credit for what she's done up in New York. And and also uh, Nicole Weller and, uh, and others in uh, the Savannah, Georgia area are working on a project that they actually have just launched called the little train and it's a way of really uh teaching the, yeah. the younger generation the newer gen you may have uh, they actually did a launch down at the pga show this year and uh have, have been featured in a few different articles about it but uh, i'm going to have them on here in a, in a few weeks time uh her and her partner uh, to talk about that but you know there's a lot of great initiatives there but I, I think there's a lot more work and i'll give you a good example you know in the school system of course you've got football you've got baseball and you've got some of your other primary sports that are very well entrenched in, in the school curriculum still. And, and golf is just, I mean, other than the collegiate level, it's really not there. I, I think there needs to be a way, and I think the PGA of America and, and some of the other bodies out there need to collectively work together and, as you said, approach the municipality and say, we want to get golf in the curriculum somehow. How do we go about doing it? And, and you know, some of the, the efforts that have happened so far have done very well, but it's a very slow-moving train. So any thoughts on your end that maybe – some ways that we could approach this differently as as a group, as a, as a collective, if you will, as an industry. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I think you know, in the golf in schools. I mean, the Met, the Met PGA has done things like that. I mean, some of the people you mentioned have made wonderful inroads. Um, I, I I think that it's going to take somebody um, somebody almost larger than life getting behind it as a spokesperson that really believes in the mission to draw enough yeah. attention to it, put enough pressure. I did say the word pressure on politicians and and school right. administrators to make make golf part of the curriculum. I, I, it's hard it's hard for me to imagine that you couldn't use golf as a cell because of the integrity of the game, the moral fiber of the game, you know, right. the, the life the life lesson teaching of the game, um, and, and bring it into the school system. I I, I kind of fault the first tee a little bit for trying to right. make the mission, and I, I love the fact that the mission is the inner city kid. A kid that maybe not have, might not have access, but why not make the first tee initiative not just for that kid? And not not that we shouldn't 
we should neglect that right. kid. But why not make it for all kids and get the first tee to move into schools also, not just, you know, after-school right. activities or, or inner-city activities. Why not in all school systems inter- the first tee be part of the inner-city curriculum, but also the general school population, you know, situation as well? Right. Right, well, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's a lot of great junior programs around the country and, and, and Canada as well and, and overseas. But one of the problems with and, and they're all, many of them are top-notch uh, programs. The problem that I see with it is, is they're really feeding beds, if you will, for people that have aspirations of either being in the golf industry in some fashion or playing uh, competitive golf. And that's a, a vessel that needs to be there. But there's a lot of people out there that are never going to be the next Jordan Spieth or the next, uh, right. you know, Tiger, right. Tiger Woods. So for those people there, we need to have a, 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 an ability for them. And, and like I said, what we talked about earlier, Kate and, and Nicole and some of the others out there are doing great inroads. But it, it's sort of a slow-moving train. And, and you're right. It, it's going to take a spokesperson to really get out there publicly and say, hey, you know, we want to get golf just like every other sport, basketball, football, baseball, as I mentioned that are in the, the, the general public school. And I think part of it is, is a cost factor. Golf is much more expensive than many of the other sports. So there has to be a way that the equipment manufacturers and some of the other uh, companies that are, that are on that end need to also you know, put some dollars in and get involved and say, okay, we're going to put together a program, U.S. Kids Golf, some of these other organizations get involved and say, if we're going to do this, we need to do this as a, as a large group and, and essentially lobby the government in a sense. I hate to use that word in this political climate, but that's essentially what we have to do. Yeah, Ted, if you look back at the conversation earlier tonight, now you, now you have this great initiative in schools, okay, and let's say you had the same initiative in, in Naples, Florida, and you had all these kids that wanted to get involved with golf, but you don't have a great public facility in town. Where do you right. take them to do this? Because yep. let's face it, you know the private clubs in this town are not going to open their doors to 60 or 80 kids to come in right. and, and beat balls on the range. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. You've got to get the school system and you've got to get the municipality and you've got to get you know, an initiative like a first tee all in bed together to say, listen, how do we make this work and how do we get this done? Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap things up here, but I'm going to give you a few moments here because I know you're busy and you've got uh, uh, a lot going on here in, in the, the days coming up. But let's talk about what you've got cooking here, if you will, for 2016. You're, you're obviously, I can hear a lot of passion and excitement in your voice. What have you got <laughs> happening in 2016? And, uh, well, and let so, the folks... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I appreciate that. A lot of things have changed. I, I, I don't know if you know, but I... I resigned my position at Friarshead last year. It was my last year going up there full-time. Yes. And basically because I've been going back and forth 36 years, I wanted to take a little bit different direction. I wanted to get to spend some time at home with my wife. Um, but one of the things that's going to happen is I'm going to go back to Long Island one week a month to a place yep. called Colonial Springs, uh, Colonial Springs, which is on, on Long Island, and be available to anybody who wants to come and take instruction one week a month. And they can get in touch with me at uh, com. If they wanted more information about that, another week a month, I'm going to be at a place called Bully Rock, which is a wonderful, wonderful high-end daily fee facility in Have the Grace, Maryland, and uh, be available there to the public one week a month, uh, June through September as well. And again, tpatriotmindspring.com gets them to me and to book time. And then I'm going to do about uh, 12 to 18 guest schools that, that clubs have invited me in for two days with their members to come in and do a guest school. And then other than that, Ted, I'm going to be right here in Naples, Florida, doing my thing here and staying at home a little bit more. 
Uh, sounds good. I, I'm, I know your wife will appreciate uh, uh, getting to see your husband a little bit more often. You've been doing a lot to to, to help uh, you know many the many golfers out there improve, and and uh, it's time to certainly not scale back, but certainly time to, to spend more time at home with your 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 wife and your family yeah. and that and yeah and, and i'm certainly not spending much time in the lesson team i'm just gonna spend a little bit more time in naples rather than full-time right. in new york during the summer so it, it, it's i'm looking forward to that and then i'm i'm not going to scale back my teaching at all i'll be i'll be no. accessible even probably more so to the public than i've ever been before right exactly and i know you do a great online uh program as well talk a little bit about that uh, if somebody's interested that where they can go if they went to my website, which is just www.tompatry.com, and checked it out, um, I have a V1 online academy there. I'm teaching about 150 people around the world that I've never met via uh, the V1 technology, and it's been, it's been a great success, and, and I appreciate you mentioning it. It's a lot of fun for mm-hmm. me. I, I really enjoy connecting with people from, from all over the planet and, and, uh, and analyzing their golf swings and actually teaching and coaching them remotely from my home. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a great uh, it's been a great fun a great and powerful tool V1 has been for me. Well, you know, and that's the thing is with as we talked about it, we touched on about uh, the you know the modern technology. Um, there's a lot of pluses, and you know, obviously there's some minuses. We can get wrapped up sometimes too much in the technology, but this is certainly one area of technology that has allowed many of the teachers and coaches out there to be able to um, you know not just network, but to be able to help. Uh, those golfers that that may not normally have access uh, or don't have the time to to come out to the facility or maybe not in your area. So as you said, you can you can teach and coach them from all over the world. Um, so that's one of the yeah, exciting things about some of this technology. I, I just think V1 has been a great, great, great tool uh, for the average golfer who's sitting at home and wants to get help and doesn't know how to get it done and not, doesn't just have access to a, 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 what they think is a good teacher in their area. Uh, they can reach out to any number of, sort of branded academies and, and, and connect with us you know, online. It's been fun. Well, I'll tell you what we need to do, Tom, um, since you've just given them a great endorsement. Um, I think two things. I think, first off, the next time you come back on, we need to bring Gail on with you and, and give her an opportunity to talk on the show as well. I would love to have her and, and uh, let her talk about some of the great things that she's doing. Um, but I think we also need to reach out to the V1 people and, and get some people from there on here to talk about uh, what their great product is, because it, it is a great product. Yeah, Ted, I can make both of those things happen. So let's talk about that via email, you and I, and uh, I'm happy to make that happen. That sounds perfect. And and uh, they couldn't ask for a better spokesperson than Tom Patrick. Tom, as always, it, it, it's a pleasure talking with you. Uh, and, and one of the really the great reasons I like having you come on the show is you are very upfront and very honest uh, about the game and, uh, you know, you're very passionate, uh, you know, not only being a, a player of the game, but a, a great coach and a great teaching professional. And that's why so many people uh, admire and respect you. And I know that you had a great, when I posted the show this week, I know Mr. my good friend, Mr. Barry Goldstein, put a nice comment on the, uh, the post as well. So I know he uh, is a great supporter and fan of yours as well. I really appreciate you having me on. I'll be back anytime you want me. And, and thank you for what you do for golf and reaching out to people and informing people and teaching people over the airwaves. I appreciate it. Um, Tom, thank you. Have a great week. And, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll, we'll, make, we'll make the other happen. But uh, you're welcome. You have an open invitation to come back anytime. If you've got something you need to – and I know you're working on – I understand you're still working on uh, your second book. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm, I'm pecking away <laughs> at it, Ted. 
Well, I'll tell you what, when you get that done and you're ready to launch that, I want you to, to uh, reach out to me and we'll come on here and we'll, we'll launch it together. How's that? Thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Tom, have a great uh, great weekend and we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Teddy. Good night now. All right. All right, that was my very special guest, uh, PGA teacher professional and golf coach, Mr. Tom Patry. Uh, as you uh, heard through the program, of course, he's down, uh, settled most of the time down in the Naples, Florida area. Um, honest guy, just a great, uh, great uh, asset to the game. And I, I enjoy, as I, as I just said, uh, having him on the program. I think he's uh, uh, a tremendous asset to the game, and, and I hope uh, he'll continue to, to share his knowledge, uh, not just with the uh, students out there, but with some of the other fellow teacher professionals as well. I, I, I'm a firm believer in in uh, educating one another, and I think that he does a great job and has a lot of knowledge and experience to share with uh, especially uh, some of these younger up-and-coming instructors. So if you're looking for uh, some great, uh, not only great instruction, but some great advice, you need to reach out to Mr. Tom Patry and uh, He's all over social media, so it's, he's a very easy gentleman to find. Uh, I want to take this time uh, once again to uh, thank both of my guests, uh, Alexa and Doris uh, Vela, for uh, coming onto the show and, and uh, enjoyed having them as well. And, of course, Mr. Tom Patry uh, for coming on and, and helping me wrap things up. And I want to also take this time to thank all of the listeners from around the world for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. I truly do, as I say, every week – uh, I get a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having really a highly uh, number of highly talented coaches and teach professionals like Tom uh, and players uh, like Alexa come on the show and many, many others. Uh, also, some authors and, and great entrepreneurs stop by the, the show each and every week. So it's really through their participation and guest appearances that help to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Uh, audiences continue to grow each and every week. And I thank you for, for spreading the word, all of the great people, and, and some of them I'm going to give a special note to right here. Um, some of the sponsors and supporters of the program, Mr. Jonathan Laird from SouthCoastGolfGuide.com, a uh, great uh, publication I've talked many, many times about on the show uh, here in the southeastern part of the United States, from literally from Texas right over here to Florida. Go to SouthCoastGolfGuide.com, and you can uh, request a copy of the guide. Be sent a lot of great golf courses that are advertised in that publication uh, Jonathan's been been uh, heading up that uh, great uh, guide for uh, over 20 years now. He's been the owner and, and editor of uh, South Coast Golf Guide. So go to southcoastgolfguide.com, and you can check out uh, the website there and get more information. Uh, Meredith Kirk from Meredith Kirk Golf. Uh, you can go to her website, meredithkirk.com. Uh, she's a great not only LPGA uh, teacher professional, uh, but she was the 2014 Mrs. South Carolina and she's been a guest a number of times on the show, and just a great young lady out in the Carolinas, uh, in the Myrtle Beach area particularly, uh, just does a great uh, job at, at not only teaching the game, but also helping to grow the game in, a, in a, the junior market as well. Uh, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland, thank you for all your continued support. Nikki is, of course, is a golf professional, and he's going to be coming here in the weeks uh, coming up on the show as well. I have to firm up one last time. On the, on the exact date he'll be on here, and I'll, I'll announce that as soon as I have it. But he's going to be coming on the show, and of course his lovely wife, Tiffany Litherland, uh, for all the great work that you did to help spread the word about uh, Golf Talk Live. My good friend, Mr. Bernie Pinder, uh, owner and founder of Ontic Golf, which is a great line of custom putters. Uh, OnticGolf.com uh, is their website, which I actually put together for them uh, here just recently, so go and check that out. 
and uh, just a great line of putters. We're going to do some great work this year in 2016 with Ontic Golf. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bernie Pinder, for all of your great uh, uh, hard work as well and help spreading the show, and thank you for all of your uh, support as well. And I'm going to have Bernie coming on the show again to talk about some exciting things uh, going to be happening with Ontic here in the near future. Uh, Mr. Sean Kelly, owner of LinkedGolfers.com, uh, really the owner of the largest golf group on LinkedIn. As I talked about earlier, LinkedIn is a professional network, uh, sort of the professional version of Facebook, so it's more for business types. Uh, but he owns and oper- runs and operates the Linked Golfers uh, golf group on LinkedIn, which I believe is over 45,000 members now from around the world, some great professionals. Uh, he also has a, a website business as well, linkedgolfers.com, which basically took that group out of LinkedIn and, and moved it out onto the web. So uh, make sure you go to linkedgolfers.com. And also, last but not least, my good friend, Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland. Uh, thank you, Peter, for helping to spread the, the word over in, in your area, and thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, Peter, of course, is a great, uh, not only teacher professional, but club fitter as well, does lots of great work over in Ireland, and was here actually, I believe, uh, I don't know if he made it this year, but I believe he was here the previous year uh, at the PGA Merchandising Show as well, and we missed uh, one another, unfortunately, but uh, thank you, Peter, for all of your continued support as well. And uh, again, uh, I, I enjoy doing this program each and every week, and I thank you to all the listeners for, for tuning in each and every week. And uh, I want you to make a point of reaching out to me, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, my Facebook page, of course, uh, my name is Ted. Last name is spelled O-D-O-R-I-C-O. You're welcome to connect with me on Facebook. Uh, there's also a great uh, golf uh, uh, golf talk live uh, post uh, web web page and Facebook. You just go to Facebook.com and it's uh, Golf Talk Live blog. And make sure when you're there that you uh, like the page if you haven't already done so. I appreciate that. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Uh, CEO, of course, is in capital letters. I want to thank my special guests again, uh, Alexa and Doris uh, uh, Vela and also Tom Patrick for coming on the program tonight. And I want to thank you one last time uh, for tuning into the show each and every week. And remember, I will be here next Thursday at 6 p.m. Central right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless everybody. and Have a great week.